I was thinking as the volume is turned down. I was thinking as Jerry so aptly does in selecting his songs that the one that we sang this finishing in each step I take, how appropriate that is for us, particularly at this time. I look out and I would dare say almost half of us that are here have suffered the loss of loved ones this year. I think I believe, uh, agree with George. I think I'll stay up. I usually go to bed before New Year's just to see 2020 leave. It's been a devastating year for us, has it not? But the Lord is with us each step that we take. We see the chasms that are deep and wide. And sometimes we forget we are in the hollow of God's hand. He's with us. Each trial, each tribulation, each setback, each hardship that we go through. We look with the physical eyes as we look out among us this morning. We look with the physical eyes and we see the devastation as we may view it and the loss of so many who have longed to see things unfold for the good and for the glory of God here. Of being reminded that God is not finished with us, nor has he forsaken us or has he left us. And we need to have that faith and that trust in God that we one that we see in Simeon. And as I was reading that and, and contemplating it, it, several things struck me along the way. And I'm glad God does not ask us to choose. What, which one do you prefer? Do you prefer to see the mighty works of God? Or do you prefer to have that trust that he works his will out in our lives? He allows us to see both along the way. We know that from the scriptures. How do they begin? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see the mighty power and the majesty of God in creation. And you see, that which is unseen so many times, Genesis 3 and verse 15. God had a promise for mankind of what he was going to do to Satan. We have not seen the fulfillment of that completely in our lifetime, or up to this point in our lifetime. And yet we believe that God will take care of what he's promised to do. We see it in the crucifixion, yes. But we're looking forward to the time when Satan is utterly cast out and punished eternally. As we look at the scriptures, what do you want to see? As you look at the coming of Jesus into the world itself. You want to see as the shepherds did, the mighty chorus in heaven singing praises unto God? Or could you be satisfied as with Simeon, 
What the shepherds saw and how many others saw it, we do not know. But as Simeon is discussing, he's not reflecting on the angels singing the chorus of praises to the birth of Jesus. He is satisfied with seeing the fulfillment of the promise of God as he held a baby, a baby in his arms. He could see, as he had been promised, that he would see the Lord's Savior. And he could see that in the eye of faith in this baby. God allows us to have both. Anytime that we so desire, you just walk out and you look at his creation. The heavens declare the glory of God and the earth shows forth his handiwork. Out of Psalm 19. We get to see that. And that is something to behold. We catch glimpses as we do occasionally on the Nova Channel, wherever else you can see pictures and images of outer space and the, vast, the vastness of what has been created by God. In the beginning, God created out of nothing everything that we see. And yet we're also given that opportunity to see in the small things what God has done. God has watched over us. God has protected us. He's there in our lives. We're reminded that the Lord, in verse 29 of our reading, letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Wow. I've seen the salvation of God for humanity in this baby. I can depart in peace now. Different characteristic, if you will, than sometimes what we see in our lives. How many times do we want to see our life extended just so that we could see something else? Talk to a lot of people as they face death, wishing for time to have seen whatever it may have been, to see a child grow up, to see a grandchild grow up, whatever it is, see a great-grandchild. If I can just see that, and then I could. Simeon's ready to die, but given a promise. He says, now I can pass on. Where are you in your life? Could, could you say that? I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to depart. I'm ready to go home. Or do we have those but, but, but I would like. We all have our likes. God has his will. And God knows exactly what's going on within our lives. <coughs> throughout the, excuse me, <coughs> throughout the scriptures, we see these little glimpses here and there. What would you rather see? Would you rather see what the apostles saw following the resurrection of Jesus 
his 40 days here, and then in Acts 1 and verse 11, to see his departure up into heaven. How many times would we like to see something like that? Uh, it had to be a glorious sight. This to, to, to I mean, see him ascend, the angels receive. I mean, how glorious would that be? But not everyone saw that. Or would we be happy with Luke 2 and verse 29? I've seen your salvation, and I'm ready to go, Simeon said. We know that the salvation is in Christ Jesus. For those of us who have believed, that's all of, most of us here, all of us here, we've seen his salvation through Christ Jesus. Is that sufficient for you? To have forgiveness of sins, the hope of eternal life, is that sufficient for you? Could you, could you then say now, I'm ready. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to depart. But I know that as long as I'm here, there's good that I can do. And we never know. All of us are familiar. Some of us, a couple years down the road from the, from the beginning of the congregation. But all of us here had a dream of what we would like to see be done with the congregation. A dream of being able to have a place of worship that we could call our own. How many long to see that? Who have not? We look from the physical life And we see the devastation. I have not yet, it just crossed my mind, but I have not yet taken the time to look back over my records. But I would dare say that from the physical point of view, 2020 has been devastating for us as God's people. I don't think I've seen as many of God's people depart for the glory land as I have this year. Is that the end of us? I believe not. I believe we've got that chasm that is wide. But I do indeed believe the hand of the Lord is greater. And what we see as setbacks may indeed not be. May be the regaining, the renewing, and the challenging of us to put our faith and our trust in God. What does Simeon see? I see the salvation of the Lord. Luke's point, as he's writing to Theophilus, whose name means lover of God, that this Christ-like child 
is one that the, for the Jew, the law keeping, one who is faith filled, people who had to look forward. Simeon could see that it was not just for Israel, but it would be for the Gentiles as well. That concept had not even been grasped yet by God's people. Sad to say, it's still not grasped by God's people or those who want to claim to be God's people. Live in a world where if you take time to look at the background information of some of the most popular religious programs we have, at least being broadcast in our country, you'd be surprised what they honestly believe. You'd be surprised how many still believe, and you see it all the time on commercials and everything else, who still believe that the Jews, the physical Jews, are God's chosen people. And there are those who believe that actually Jesus will return physically to this earth. And when he steps his, when his feet touch the Mount of Olives, then all will be fulfilled. The Jews will return to Jerusalem and reign there. Where do you read that in Scripture? I read in Scriptures that in Christ Jesus there's neither what? Jew nor Greek. But what? They're all one in Christ Jesus. There is neither Jew nor Greek. The distinction is gone from that point of view, religiously. In Christ we're all one. It matters not the background. It matters the relationship that we have through Jesus and the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. Simeon saw the gospel as that which would draw all people. You would also see that it included all people, but that it was also costly. How do you comprehend God in the flesh dying by crucifixion? How costly was that? And how, again, how broad is it? He'd be a light to the Gentiles and a glory to the Jews. Because Simeon is working with what's taken place. Again, we are fortunate to have a fulfillment of all of that and to be able to see it from a different perspective. But so many times we don't. As the old saying goes, it's hard to walk through the mud without getting dirt on, or mud on your, on your shoes. Uh, we live down here. <laughs> That's where we're at. And it's hard for us not to get this world on us. And ours is to strive against that. And to put the hope and the faith and the trust in God above. That he can and that he does. Again, just marvel at what God has done. 
marveled at the strength it gives. I can look out and know as I talk to a number of you, a good portion of you, and the loss of a loved one. How difficult that is. And yet what? God strengthens. God upholds. What looked like devastation, and I'm not saying it was not devastation to lose a spouse. But God has not abandoned or forsaken. And all of that began again one out of Ephesians 1, 4, that before the foundation of the world, God laid his plan of redemption through Jesus Christ. And it's hard again, as you look at that vastness, before the world began, God had already planned man's redemption. And then we look down again in Genesis 1, 1 and on following. In the beginning, God created God created by a spoken word, create, created out of nothing. We just cannot even begin to comprehend that. We always know that, I mean, if you're going to create something, you've got to have something to begin with. There has to be a design somewhere that the one's going to follow, and there has to be the material that is there to create that. God created out of nothing a perfect universe. And then he made man after his own image. Notice the difference. He created out of nothing a universe and he made man out of his own, in the likeness of his own image. You know, you've heard me say, I love Genesis 2 and verse 7. That one just always touches the soul. God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Wow. Created everything else from nothing. Everything we see, the trees, the animals, the plants, the universe, and everything else. But man he shaped and formed out of the dust of the ground and gave him life, the breath of God. How special are we in his sight? Again, it is devastating. We go through various trials in our lives, and, and again, death is one of the biggest trials we go through. You get the love, the hugs, and, and the reminders of, of people being there. But it's not quite the same when you go home, is it? And the house is empty. But God is there. We're devastated. And the losses we've experienced, but God is still there. He has not abandoned us, nor shall he ever abandon us as we remain faithful to him. Ours is to trust that he knows what he's doing, that he has a plan, that he's working it out within his life. But one of the characteristics of Simeon as he is being described 
that he lived a godly life. Not quite like the Pharisees, who Jesus rebukes in Luke 23, or the Sadducees, who did not believe in a resurrection. They believed in God, but they did not believe that he had the power to raise from the dead. He could create, but he could not bring life back. That's what they believed. They didn't believe in angels. Well, Simeon was not of that nature. He's not described in any form, shape, or fashion as having anything to do with the religious hierarchy, if you will. But his eyesight was deeply rooted in godliness. And his meeting the Christ as a baby was not an unexpected occurrence. He was living for God. been promised by God that he would not see death until he could see that Christ. And again, that faith. This is the one whom the prophets have prophesied about. This is the promised Messiah. This is the one, again, could you imagine holding that baby and saying, this is the one who is eternal. Before creation and after creation ceases to be, he is eternal. And he is the Savior. Simeon could see it. The Jews, the religious leaders had not, did not want to see that this Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he was the Savior, not of the Jews, but he was the Savior of the world, including all of humanity. They fought against him. They were looking for an, uh, an earthly kingdom, God would establish a kingdom that would never be destroyed. And they were looking for an earthly kingdom. we got religious people today, even some, excuse me, some in the Lord's church. They still are believing that there will be an earthly kingdom on this earth. That Jesus will descend from heaven and he will establish a kingdom in Jerusalem and will reign there for a thousand years. I know the false religions believe that and it's hard to believe that there are those within the Lord's church that believe likewise. Do not want to accept what God has said. What Simeon saw was the summit of his lifelong experience with God. He is described as being righteous. He was cons considered a man full of God, of God honoring actions. He wanted to pray, praise and to serve God. The word has a connotation of one's conduct with others. He was righteous. Righteous in what he did along the way. Known for his godly conduct with others. He was devout. He cared very carefully about the religious observances. He kept the law as he best could. Went to the temple as he was required when the time was right and so forth. He met regularly with God. He was waiting for the consolation 
of Israel. He was looking for the Messiah. Are we looking for the return of Christ? Not to the earth. Again, Acts 1.11 reminds us that as you've seen him go, he will see him come again. When did they hear that expression, as you've seen him go? Was it while he was on this earth? Or while he was ascending into heaven? As you've seen him ascend into heaven, you'll see him come down. And Paul and Thessalonians remind us that when he begins to ascend down, the dead in Christ will rise first and we'll meet him in the air and those of us who are alive will be transformed and we will what? Meet him on the earth. It's not what the text says. We'll meet him in the air. And then we will thus be with the Lord forever. He was looking forward to that. He was deeply, a man deeply influenced and controlled by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit was upon him. We promise that he dwells with us. How blessed are we as we look towards that in our lives along the way. He was a model of godliness from the Old Testament perspective. And he was rewarded for his faith and his trust in God. He saw something that, again, the nation had not seen. The nation of Israel looked constantly for this coming of the Messiah. They did not know when it was exactly. Peter talks about that. The prophets of old didn't know what time they were prophesying, but they knew it wasn't for them. And to have that faith that they would be a change that we have that faith that there's going to be a change for us one day. Eternity and heaven with God. We discuss how that's going to be. We have our human perspectives along the way of how that's going to be. I've talked to countless Christians who have it all planned out in their lives with their families. And I've heard them say, you know, when we all get to heaven, we're going to meet in the southwest corner of heaven. So when you get there, you just go to the southwest corner of heaven. That's where our family will our family will be. Hmm. What have they missed? We, in totality, are the family of God. We have that tendency again because that's all we get to work with of picturing heaven. Mansions, got a mansion this over the hilltop. So that draws an image to our mind of a mansion, of a physical big structure. And I'm going to invite the archangel in as guest because that's how we work. And it's hard for us to even conceive of what the spiritual body and what heaven is because it's Impossible for us to conceive of what is infinite. Heaven. And whether it's glory beyond our comparison. But the scriptures do use those terms that we can have some relationship with it. The gospel is to be rooted. The beauty of the gospel in God's faithfulness. 
You have to believe what God has said. Are you going to be faithful to what God has said? Be willing to do what he would want you to do? To follow him in your life? Following Christ is costly. You put your focus where it needs to be, you're going to lose something else along the side. I want my focus on Christ. I want that which has cost God's Son, His physical life on earth. I want that to be primary in the life, that there's no regrets. And what God has, what I have done in becoming a child of God. No regrets. There's no longing, there's no wishing, there's no rethinking what might have been, what could have been. You make decisions along the way, and all of us have lived long enough to know those, those decisions that we made along the way. A lot of them have not come to fruition, have they? A lot of them have got redesigned, <laughs> redirected. And we know that. You've heard me say before again. I mean, you just look out here in the audience this morning. All of our lives have been redirected for us to be here. A lot of different events have taken place one way or the other for make it possible for us to be here. If I see the hand of God or the fingerprints of God in doing just that, why do I doubt him now? Cannot doubt him. Have to be able to trust him exclusively. Whatever trial, tribulation I go through, guess what? It's only temporary. May not like that temporary. It may be hard, but it's only temporary. Eternity with God is going to cost us. But are we willing to follow him? Well, Simeon and Anna would go on to tell the parents of Jesus, particularly Mary, it's going, to be, it's going to cost you for this child. Your soul is going to be pierced through as with a sword. It's going to cost you. But again, it is worth it. Is godliness a treasure to you? Is it something you cherish? Do you see the gospel for what it is and for the beauty that's in it? Do you follow Jesus even when it's costly? There are things in life that's going to cost. Sometimes it's the choice of a job. You're offered a full-time job, but it may require you to work on Sundays. Or there's a part-time job that does not. What choice do we make? Well, you know I have to provide for my family. I have to make the decision. But do I trust God? That he's, he work his will. Do I trust him in it?
Can you be godly? Through times when God makes you wait, wait on the Lord. Wait for his timing. Walk with him, trust him along the way. And I'm glad God does not make us choose between a spectacular creation and so forth and that which is small. Simeon was fortunate, as was Anna, to be able to see a promise of God being fulfilled. We do not have that. But we have his word that reminds us this Jesus, God, Son, made a trip to this earth. He died for you and died for me so that one day, that one day we could dwell with him eternally. Do not let anything come between you and that goal of eternity with God. Those are decisions we make. And again, a lot of those little decisions bear consequences later on that we may not be aware of. So those little decisions we make, weigh them carefully in the light of God. Have you been to Jesus? Make sure that's what you got. Oh, do you know my Jesus? See ya. Shouldn't put two good songs on the same page. <laughs> That's just, you know, I've done that several times. I, I look at it, I'd love that one, but I love this one. Do you know my Jesus? Do you know him? Not that you, do you know about him? Do you know him? Do you have that relationship with him that you know who he is? What he's done? what he is doing, and one day what he will do for you as a child of the living God. If you do not, or if you let that slip from your mind, renew that life in Christ. Make the changes that are necessary. If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.